Welcome to the Bioethics Podcast, a project of the Center for Bioethics and Human Dignity at Trinity International University. I'm Matthew Epinet, Executive Director of the Center. In this episode of the podcast, I interview my pastor, Reverend Bo Collins of Lakeview Presbyterian Church. Bo attended our recent pastor's workshop, and I was interested to know not only what he took away from the workshop, but also ways in which bioethics intersects with his work as a pastor. Before we get to that, though, our host institution, Trinity International University, has just announced a new certificate program in pro-life advocacy and engagement. The Certificate in Pro-Life Advocacy and Engagement is particularly geared towards those who are or who aspire to be engaged in pro-life advocacy or related nonprofit organizations, as well as in other kinds of pregnancy care support. It's a 12-credit hour program. That's four courses covering an introduction to bioethics, cultural engagement in bioethics, bioethics and public policy, and the right to life and the law. These courses are all offered in a variety of formats, so the certificate can be completed online, remotely, and or in person without relocating to our Illinois campus. But of course, you could come study with us here in person too. In addition, these 12 credits are stackable, meaning that should you choose to further your education in the MA in Bioethics program, the courses you take for this certificate will be counted toward your degree. This certificate has been in the works for a long time, but the fact that it's being launched now is particularly timely given the recent Supreme Court decision in the Dobbs case, which overturned Roe. For more information on the Certificate in Pro-Life Advocacy and Engagement, email us at info at cbhd.org. As I mentioned, this episode is an interview with Reverend Bo Collins, who attended our pastor's workshop, which was held in conjunction with our summer conference. In the episode, Bo and I talk about ways in which bioethics issues come up in his pastoral ministry, his takeaways from the pastor's workshop, and what he wishes that bioethicists and healthcare professionals knew about pastors. In the last 10 minutes or so of our conversation, Bo turns the tables on me and asks a few questions. The host becomes the interviewee. And now here's an interview with Pastor Bo Collins. All right. Well, welcome. It's good to have you here today. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, um, your ministry. You know, where did you come from and how did you get here? Yeah. Hey, Matthew. Uh, so my name is Bo Collins. I'm the pastor of Lakeview Presbyterian Church here in beautiful Vernon Hills, Illinois, just down the road uh, from CBHD. Uh, my roots, I'm originally from Birmingham, Alabama, which I must throw at you a roll tide <laughs> as hard as I possibly can. Ouch. Yeah, indeed. Uh, I was trained for ministry at Covenant Theological Seminary in uh, St. Louis, Missouri. Um, I've pastored churches several different cities, but I've been here in um, northern Chicago land for, uh, started, I just started my fifth year. Uh, I have one wife. I have four children, <laughs> the youngest of which is now three weeks old. Um, and we are we are uh, gladly suffering through uh, her more nocturnal stages, but um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's uh, it's good to be here. I'm really yeah. glad to be here. Well, thanks. I'm uh, happy that you could stop by. Um, I'm curious. Uh, one of the things we'll get to in a few minutes is that you came to our uh, pastor's workshop this summer that we had in conjunction with our summer conference. But I think to get started, maybe just a little bit more broadly, what are ways in which you've had bioethics issues come up in your ministry or that they present challenges in your ministry? 
Um, is is this something that was on your radar before some random guy from a bioethics center started attending? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, sadly, not so much. I think um, when I when I was in seminary, uh, my first interactions with kind of the the confluence of science and theology was from an Old Testament professor I had at Covenant, um, C. John Collins, a Henry Fellow here at TEDS. Um, he wrote a book on science and faith that really kind of brought to light the the dynamics of the conversation. Um, and then I kind of read, you know, popular level stuff like uh, Nancy Percy, Soul of Science, and um, Alvin Plantiga's um, Where the Conflict Really Lies, things that could act as a primer and, and help me be a little bit more conversant just in the, the, the interaction between faith and science. Um, but beyond, I would say, pro-life issues, uh, end-of-life issues, things like that, I think I knew about as much as most people who aren't specialists when it comes to um, bioethics and uh, med tech. Um, and then I just happened to run into you and to learn a little <laughs> bit more about your world. So I would say, um, you know, obviously, uh, as a religious practitioner, um, we counsel people who are trying to make difficult decisions in, um, in like medicine, um, end of life type things. And, and we counsel um, women and couples and families who are, who are asking questions about things like fertility on, on a, uh, as regular basis as anyone else would. But beyond that, um, I didn't have a whole lot of um, experience discussing bioethics uh, to the degree that we talked about. Um, and I, I learned so much about at the pastor's workshop recently. Yeah. So speaking of the workshop, uh, which was on infertility and reproductive technologies, yeah. Um, what was the day like? I wasn't able to be in there for the session. So just, you know, kind of an overview of the day. Yeah. I mean, it was incredible. I, I learned so much. This is a great, I mean, I, not to just kind of plug you guys, but like <laughs> it was truly a wonderful resource for me as someone who exists outside this world, but is tuned in kind of parallel or adjacent to it. Um, I mean, so much of the narrative is that science and, and medicine and, and theology are kind of like the Montagues and the Capulets, right? They're, <laughs> they're, they're always at battle, but uh, at, at the pastor's conference and in the, the conference more broadly, it felt a little bit more like Romeo and Juliet had, had come together. There really was this beautiful kind of passionate way to, to see science and to see medicine and theology really interact with one another in, um, in some, some fascinating ways. Um, you know, it was my first time attending any real kind of bioethics conference and, and really interacting with uh, the the world of bioethics beyond kind of the, some of the stuff that I've read, I really was taken aback by how galaxy brain <laughs> bioethics is as a field of study. I mean, you think about the types of folks who would really invest into creating policy, writing uh, thoughtful articles about this. They're people who have uh, a, a tremendous amount of technical training in the sciences and in medicine. Um, that's a, that's a skill set unto itself. But then you have folks who are asking the larger questions of morality and, and ethics and bringing their background and training and skills into that conversation. Um, I mean, it's it's a pretty incredible <laughs> field of study. And so um, I was really impressed with just the the way in which people who are involved in this. Um, not only are they well-trained, but they're super passionate about the various contours of uh, bioethics. And yet, again, it was all somewhat um, brand new to me. Mm -hmm. So so that was really fascinating. Um, I was really I was really intrigued by a lot of what 
I've found to be kind of like insider baseball conversation mm-hmm. within the the bioethics world. Mm-hmm. Um, I heard a lot of discussions about things like policymaking at the government level, um, the the ways in which um, the various tribes or, or perspectives within the bioethics field are all trying to think about you know things one year, five year, ten years down the road. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it was a a very it was a very intense and very information heavy conversation, but, but I mean, that was, that was naturally uh, curiosity sparking. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so, so I found that, um, I found that intriguing. Uh, I think it's also, it, it caused me to wonder how, you know, kind of normies like me who exist outside of, of your world um, can, can find uh, coat hooks to hang our, our curiosity coats on. I mean, not, not to just throw another plug on you guys, but Everyday Bioethics, I mean, the the the, the website that you guys run, mm-hmm. um, a massively helpful website just in introducing the categories that you guys have, beginning of life, reproduction, infertility, mm-hmm. healthcare medicine, science technology. I mean, look, I'm a guy who spends most of, of my week translating God's word, thinking through how to apply this in the lives of Northwestern Chicago suburbanites. Um, and I help people construct categories of beauty and, and ethics and, and law and, and all doing it according to God's definitions. Um, and, and I really found a lot of parallels between the way in which people at the conference, especially at the pastor's conference, were helping mm-hmm. us deduce from this really technical, very difficult to understand world. Um, some of the the real fascinating um, interlink interlinks between um, the, the world of faith and the world of science and our responsibility to, to operate uh, according to what God has kind of revealed to us in his word. So, yeah. 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 Uh, yeah and that's really, you mentioned the website that our intersections forum, that's really the goal of it is to bring together this science, theology, ethics, yeah. and church ministry really, mm-hmm. really speak right into that um, precisely. Um, were there anything in particular, particularly when it comes to infertility, reproductive technologies that really jumped out at you? over the course of the pastor's workshop? Hmm. Well, one of the things that I found most fascinating, and again, I wasn't really aware of um, all of the the political dynamics behind the conversation, but um, Joy Riley, mm-hmm. yeah. she, uh, she's, she's on the um, advisory board. She did a, a seminar um, on the, the Warnock Committee mm-hmm. and the ways in which both kind of philosophically that committee did its work, but the ways in which it also informed a lot of the kind of lexicon of vernacular around what we have spoken of for the last 50 years here in America. Tremendously helpful and fascinating. Um, Again, as a a means of sparking, I think, curiosity, um, how do we see the, the role of people and ideas kind of matriculate into the way that we live our lives? Um, in terms of the the specifics about um, uh, bringing children into the world, I mean, so much of that was so over my head. It was just kind of, it was like, it was it was really enjoyable to watch. But but thinking about the ways in which the people who do your work, um, who probably are listening to this podcast right now, have such a a powerful access point to shape both conversation and policy. Uh, on behalf of the church and on behalf of, of faith, um, I found that to be intriguing and fascinating. And I really just kind of want, want to learn more um, 
as we go. Yeah. 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 Well, so uh, what my colleague, Michael Sleesman would tell me is I've now got to get you into the MA bioethics program. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what my wife would tell you is that we have four children and I have no time. <laughs> That's yeah. fair enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Uh, so what are the biggest takeaways from the day that you think will really assist you in your ministry at church? Yeah, I think, um, well, obviously humility, um, recognizing the world that you play in and the world that many of your listeners are involved in. Um, I recognize the the limits of my ability to read and to understand this world. Uh, they, they run up to the ceiling really quickly. And so helping me as, again, someone who is trying to show and explain um, the the gospel to people who may not possess technical language to do that, helping me figure out what are ways in which I can engage uh, the uh, bioethics community, both in my context as a local uh, church um, pastor, um, really keeping an eye out for ways to highlight the work that y'all are doing and, and get um, people who are trained in this in front of the congregation on, on a, a reoccurring basis. Mm -hmm. Um, one thing that I've learned <laughs> is that you can say something beautifully and eloquent once in a sermon, and just because you say it once doesn't mean anyone really heard it. So yeah. <laughs> having it repeated over and over. Yeah. Um, I also think more broadly, bioethics, it seems like a fascinating field of study for public theology. That's so popular mm -hmm. right now. Mm -hmm. Basically, can you Twitterize anything that the church is doing? <laughs> you know, med tech discussions, they're not off in, in some corner um, again, your work in transhumanism has really shown, you know, the grunt work that or being in the pit of bioethics, it's really an ideal place for people to have kind of larger discussions, like the battles of epistemology and morality, because the, the types of things you're discussing, they're immediately applicable mm. to, uh, to concrete issues and questions that people are wrestling with. Um, you know, if you argue you shouldn't pursue CRISPR babies, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. Um, you know, there are policy differences that are going to flow from that. And I think in the world of public theology, there's a way for bioethicists to to enter into the discussion without, shall we say, the baggage of just a pure theological yeah. discussion. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of power in that. And I, I would encourage any bioethicist to tend to that power. I mean, that especially in our kind of modern age where, you know, scientists, they're, they're, they are the clergy, you know, people just trust them basically right. at, at a gut level. Yeah. Um, wield that power as much as you can. And then also, I would just say, lastly, if you do have a pastor, someone in your faith community that you really trust, engage them, go tell them about the struggles that you have ethically or morally, not the things that you are struggling with personally. I mean, yeah, you should tell them that, but but the, the things that you bump into on a regular basis Give them opportunities to talk through it with you. And then also you should just tell them, hey, I want to teach a Sunday school class mm -hmm. <laughs> regularly on these types of issues. Again, because most people, they, they exist kind of out in this sphere of, of a hyper specialty. Um, but but I think if you put this in front of the, the, the rest of us normies in a, a regular Christian church, we would be fascinated to learn about the, the ways in which you've seen the Lord help you answer the types of ethical dilemmas and questions that you have in your work. Mm, mm, yeah. Mm, yeah. Um, so you've kind of touched on this a little bit, um, but what would you want other pastors and church leaders to know about bioethics? I think we, we, we struggle as, so I'm a solo pastor. Well, actually I'm not a solo pastor anymore. <laughs> we just call it an associate pastor, but for the last four years I've been a solo pastor. And so 
trying to find time to to be more broadly read. Uh, I mean, you have to pick and choose. Mm -hmm. And yet it it seems the more I interface with this, again, just as someone who's kind of having my hand held through this conference and through um, some of our discussions, it seems like it would do uh, ministry practitioners uh, a lot of good if they would just regularly build into um, whether it's the publications that CBHD puts out um, or any other publications y'all might be able to link and, and add to this. I'm, t- I'm turning this into a commercial for you guys. <laughs> um, but no, having having a regular conversation with someone in print about what's happening in this world and then thinking about ways to, to bring it, whether it's a Sunday school class or uh, a roundtable discussion, a men's group discussion, mm-hmm. um, things like that. Just Just being conversant and it, I think, will open up a lot of possibilities in a lot of areas where you can have really basic, practical theology discussions with your people um, in, in a way that that brings in Scripture and the power of all that the Lord is doing through our bodies and through ethics in a way that may be too abstract um, uh, for just kind of your normal Joe and Jane Christian in the pew. Mm-hmm. And what would you like for bioethicists, physicians, healthcare professionals— to know about pastors and other church leaders. Oh, we love you guys <laughs> and girls. Um, you know, I would, I would humbly ask that if you are someone who is involved in this world, uh, whether you're a philosopher, an ethicist, a medical doctor, a, a researcher, I mean, really engage your pastor, engage them, call them, say, hey, I want to take you out for lunch. Uh, I like burritos, so you know maybe you could offer a burrito um, and, and tell them, give them a concrete example of some of the ethical dilemmas that you face and the ways in which you have thought through them uh, on, a, on a practical level, on a theological level. Again, ask them, uh, you should just tell them, I want to teach a Sunday school class. I don't know what your policy is at your church, but, but give them your wisdom. Give them not merely you telling them this is what you should do but but I want to help you in terms of the the community and the institution that that you're building at the local church I want to help you row and here's the particular oar that I can put in the water with you um because yeah. again if if I had uh not met you I don't know if I'd be having many conversations about this right now because again there's only so much I can learn and read and, and I'm naturally curious about. So, so be bold and be proactive with, uh, with whoever your faith leader is first join a church, be a member of a church. Right, sure. yeah. <laughs> but, but, but um, take initiative. Uh, Cause I think a lot of pastors, if they knew that they had some level of expertise and guidance and just help in these areas, I mean, it would be, it would be a, a wind in their sails. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the other thing that I hear you saying kind of embedded in that is to model um, or, or to demonstrate the ways in which you've or we've <laughs> thought through and processed some of these questions. Is that absolutely? Yeah. I mean, I like here's, I don't, here's what I wrestled with. Here are the resources I looked to. Yeah. Here are different paths I kind of explored, uh, and then this is this is how I, it shook out for me. And here are the reasons why. That's right. Yeah. So, I mean, again, I, I mentioned this before. So many of the people who I ran into at the conference, they were unbelievably intelligent. I mean, galaxy brains. (laughs) And it's fascinating to listen to the well of resources that they are drawing from, whether experience or or research and, and allowing them to help 
me articulate things that I, not only have I not really thought through, but I haven't been able to think through very carefully or critically. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, it turns out I can't know everything. Uh, <laughs> I can try and I can lead. Um, but uh, but but yes, you 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 have a tremendous capacity to both encourage your pastor um, to to help your pastor, um, but then also I think utilize some of the leverage that you've built up in your community and in your practice to to really serve the, the church in, in ways that I don't know a lot of pastors are equipped to serve. Mm-hmm. Um, so so be be bold, um, pursue the opportunities that the Lord has put before you and pour back into the institution that um, loves and cares for Jesus's people um, with the gifts and talents that you have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's great. So you warned me just before uh, I started recording that you wanted to turn the tables on me. <laughs> so uh, that's great. And uh, well, <laughs> I yeah, think this is going to be a lot of fun. Well, so, so I mean, I'm you, just going to turn it up. You host for a while oh, and I'll, wonderful. I'll guest. <laughs> this is like, this is the part. Yeah. Um, so your world is so fascinating to me. Um, and yet I, I like to think about people who could give folks like me access points um, folks who we could regularly read to to kind of follow the chatter that's happening in in your world, like the fo- the folks who I had access to a couple of weeks back. Who would you say are some of the the well informed popularizers, not the loudmouths, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like yeah, the yeah, well informed yeah. popularizers within the the bioethics community? Someone who like normies like me could could read or follow or listen to and, and really get a grasp of what y'all are talking about. Yeah, um, that's a great question, and uh, I, um, I, there aren't a lot of people that are writing uh, super regularly that I, you know, you could follow. Like, um, you know, there are people that publish every day on a variety of other topics, t- typically political topics, um, and I don't know a lot of bioethics people that are doing that. Uh, Matt Anderson, who uh, was one of the people that started Mere Orthodoxy. Um, he has a regular newsletter and today's actually was on sperm and egg donation. Um, How timely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, really interesting guy. Uh, so that's somebody I would follow. Uh, Far Curlin, who's at Duke University, he has a really fascinating project on medicine and theology um, that may go a little distant from the immediate concerns of uh, pastors, but he brings in a whole um, group of MDiv students and really helps them to understand um, the practice of medicine, um, the, the sort of philosophy of Christian medicine. Um, and so some really interesting things there. I'm hoping that we're going to be able to do a, um, a reading group this fall with our members on a book that he um, and a co-author wrote on the way of medicine, which is really I think um, trying to respond to, we hear a lot of talk about burnout in medicine, uh, not just with physicians, but with nurses and other other levels of healthcare professional. And part of the reason for that is that this there's been a shift in medicine. And actually, if you listen to last week's podcast <laughs> or the last episode of the podcast uh, with Jeff Barrows, he talked quite a bit about the shift from the physician as healer to the physician as provider. Mm. And the ways in which that wears upon people. So far, Curlin's doing a lot of work to address that kind of thing. Um, great resources coming out of our friends at CMDA. Um, uh, 
so that's that's another one. And they CMDA accepts associate members. You don't have to be a Christian medical or dental professional <laughs> to be in those associations, and um, and their membership is not expensive. Um, so there, that would give you, particularly if you're in a church that has a lot of physicians in it, um, a lot of healthcare professionals in it, that could be a helpful way for you to get a window on the struggles within their world. Um, yeah, and then we uh, we maintain uh, bibliographies on our website, so a lot of great resources there to to read and to contemplate. Uh, bioethics.com uh, it's not a commentary site but it's a news site so you can kind of see what are the pressing issues that are that are being highlighted across the world of bioethics and then the intersections forum so we publish uh, a piece every single month that's really aimed at bringing together medicine theology and Christian ministry um, so those, those would be some resources orthodoxy and CVHD just just get, get those up and going that'll be great right Shout out to Jake. Um, that, so one of the other observations that I had, and I hope this won't feel a little, this, this won't feel too pokey. <laughs> the conversations that were happening uh, amongst um, the, the folks who were presenting um, and within the kind of outside the, the panels as well, it felt very much insider baseball conversation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sure. That, there was um, it was it was fun. It wasn't one upsmanship, but there was definitely a we're going to talk into this world and try to talk about very insular, granular level kind of policy things. Mm-hmm. And and then also kind of how do we use these policies to engage, whether it's folks who are high up in government or to mm-hmm. kind of uh, tend to be more elite oriented conversations. And, and again, it makes complete sense when you're dealing with something like medical institutions to have like a James Davison Hunter model, like you've got to influence people, yeah, right? Yeah. Is there a, is there a popular level strategy? Is there a grassroots level way for bioethics to interface with, again, people who are just kind of sitting in the pews who maybe they don't have a PhD, maybe they don't live near a seminary that has a, a think tank that's working through this. What, <laughs> yeah. what, I'm trying to think about the ways in which the the conversation tends to happen, or at least as I perceived it, tends to happen in your world more um, professional to professional and not mm-hmm. professional to non-professional. Yeah, I'm. That's. Um, I can remember when I first started into the world of bioethics. Um, this is second career for me, and so and I did it at a seminary, so I was having to learn sort of two new languages all at once. So there's all of this jargon around theology and um, biblical studies and all of that. And at the same time, I'm also trying to pick up all this jargon around bioethics. And it, it was really Galaxy overwhelming brain, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for the first while, uh, just trying to figure out what, what does everybody mean with the words they're using? Um, and so that's probably, yeah, that's that's probably a uh, a bit of a, a lack that we have in bioethics, particularly maybe in Christian bioethics, where we don't do a good job of translating these things into the sort of language and and um, concerns that people are are dealing with or or are familiar with. Um, we do have so Salvo magazine. Uh, they have a column in every issue called biohazards and that's actually written by someone here at CBHD and it really is a an attempt to um, 
put that put these concerns into a really understandable format, uh, not to dumb them down, but to just make them understandable, where it's not entirely a conversation in the uh, insider jargon mm-hmm. of bioethics and of medicine. Um, so yeah, Salvo's biohazards column would be one place you could look for that. Um, yeah, it sounds like I need to start another blog. Is what it sounds like. <laughs> yeah, that's, you got plenty of time for that. Um, so, uh, okay, yeah. I, and then, you know, our, uh, does God need our help book is, uh, really accessible resource. It's available on Amazon and wherever popular books are sold and it's not all that expensive. So it's uh, that's another good kind of entryway into these issues. This is uh, this is my, my last question. And this one, this one's a little spicy, right? <laughs> Um, the relationship between, um, bioethics and med tech and and big pharma, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Would you say from where you sit that big pharma is the boat and bioethics is the skier that's Mm -hmm. being pulled or is it the other way around? How do you see bioethics now? And it's its ability to be a force for good or an influence on things like big pharma and the conversations and discussions and research that they're having. Yeah, there's some real tensions there. Um, and uh, a lot of that is filtered through institutional review boards and um, uh, and various government regulations. So it, we uh, I teach a course on public policy, and this is one of the things that we always have to sort of dissect a little bit for students because we, I think, largely feel that our elected representatives do a lot of this work. But in fact, uh, it's the administrative state. And so our elected officials um, appoint turnover to uh, the FDA, the CDC, and other bodies like that, the responsibility for the kind of granular detail-oriented regulation of things like big pharma. And they do that in consultation with bioethicists. They're bio, uh, actually Dr. Fauci's wife is a bioethicist who works in one of the government agencies. Um, so it's not divorced from bioethics. Um, yeah, there's a really interesting book on um, pharmaceutical research, at least. So that piece of big pharma uh, called White Coat, Black Hat, uh, that's uh, written by a bioethicist up at University of Minnesota. Uh, it's probably about 10 years old now, but it's really interesting to look at some of the ways in which um, the research on new drugs can get distorted. Um, and so this is part of the way in which the tension works itself out is that um, boundaries are pushed, bioethicists, the administrative state um, tries to rein that in. Um, the clinical trials process, which is overseen uh, not only by local institutional review boards, but then by the larger uh, government entities. Uh, that's another way in which it's reined in. So I don't know. I, it'd be hard to say which is the boat and which is the skier. I think at, at different times, they're just sort of pulling on each other in different ways. Um, so it may be that healthcare is a uh, is a cruise ship and bioethics <laughs> and big pharma are different tugboats that are kind of pushing and pulling. But it's, it's a Viking it. river cruise. It's not one of those <laughs> carnival going down to Mexico cruises, right? Uh, I don't feel like I should really cover okay, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> that probably goes a little beyond my expertise. Yeah. yeah. Although this Viking cruises I'm told are pretty nice. I've heard, I've yeah, heard. Yeah. Uh, well, Bo, thanks for being here today. Uh, I'm glad for your ministry and I'm, I'm grateful that you were able to participate in the pastor's workshop. I hope it's a real benefit to your ministry and um, to yourself personally. Absolutely. I'll, I'll be coming back next year. I'll right. bring some friends. It'll be great. Great. Thanks a lot. Thanks. 
That was an interview with Reverend Bo Collins of Lakeview Presbyterian Church in Vernon Hills, Illinois. I wanted to mention again the new certificate program in pro-life advocacy and engagement. This is a 12-credit hour program, or four courses, covering an introduction to bioethics, cultural engagement in bioethics, bioethics and public policy, and the right to life and the law. It can be done online, remotely, and or in person, and the 12 credits can be counted toward the full MA bioethics degree. For more information on the Certificate in Pro-Life Advocacy and Engagement, email us at info at cbhd.org. You've been listening to the Bioethics Podcast, a project of the Center for Bioethics and Human Dignity, copyright 2022, all rights reserved. The Center for Bioethics and Human Dignity is a Christian bioethics research center at Trinity International University, exploring the nexus of biomedicine, biotechnology, and our common humanity. Our website, cbhd.org, has a wealth of materials on a wide range of bioethical issues. For more information about the center and to support the work of the center and projects like this podcast, please visit our website, cbhd.org. All post-production for the Bioethics Podcast is done by CBHD Communications and Marketing Manager, Curtis Wayne Pierce, Jr. My name is Matthew Epinet, and I'm the Executive Director of the Center for Bioethics and Human Dignity. Thank you for listening to the Bioethics Podcast.